Glory, glory, Sacramento. Welcome to the 916 Republic Podcast. I'm your host, Scott. And I'm your host, Nolan, bringing to you the the Western Conference Dangerous Matchup of the Week rankings. Uh, so, just to, first of all, to be clear, the Dangerous Matchup of the Week rankings are the, um, the three teams that Scott and I think uh, pose the most dangerous threat to Sacramento Republic. Um, they'll be able to, to really exploit the, uh, the Republic's weakness, and they have... Um, the kind of attacking ability that the Sacramento falls uh, victim to quite often. So, coming in at number three. So, to be clear, Scott and I haven't seen each other's rankings yet. We're uh, we're finding each other's out as we go along. So, yeah. for me, coming in at number three, I have the Phoenix Rising Football Club. Interesting. 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 Okay. Selection. Explain, please. So, Phoenix, they don't have the greatest record. I don't even think they're in the playoff race right now in the Western Conference, but. They started the first two games of their season with three three draws. I don't know how you allow six goals to be scored in ninety minutes for two consecutive games, but they're a team that has attacking ability. Then their next two games, I think they were it was a one zero loss and then a zero zero draw against Fresno FC. Um, granted, Fresno did have a red card in the fortieth minute, but still they they shored up their defense their defense a little bit better, um, and then they got back. Uh, to winning ways against El Paso, um, and then so, and then succumbed one zero to, to Phoenix, but or to Austin, bold. But they're a good team. They're fast, um, and so I think that they'd be dangerous to Sacramento. Scott, who do you have no, number three? Wow, with one second to spare, so we have oh, one minute timers. Okay, minute, so baby. yeah, Woo! this way we don't go super long. Okay, so my number three team is actually the Portland Timbers two, which is the match we're going to be reviewing today. Uh, so let me just break this down. So without giving away too much of the next segment, which is going to be uh, kind of a Portland Timbers breakdown, highlight of one of their players. Um, the last matches last year, I, I just remember them being very defensively sound. Yeah. And I think any team that is defensively sound, that doesn't let you play through the middle and also doesn't let you be successful with crossing the ball is very hard for Sacramento to break down. Um, and I, I also think that they make really good, really smart player signings. And I like their new coach. Mm-hmm. So I think that Portland Timbers 2 are one of the dangerous teams that Sacramento could face. Nolan, what is your second So team? coming in at number two for a, a dangerous matchup for Sacramento, I have... Fresno FC. Okay. Okay. Keep talking. So, so they kept, again, like I said, they kept a one a zero zero draw against Phoenix with playing with ten men for sixty minutes. Um, defensively, they're solid. As we saw with the game against uh, Portland. Granted, it was rainy. Granted, calls didn't necessarily go Sacramento's way. Sacramento has a hard time against defensively solid teams. Yeah. We saw the that even against the Austin Bold, if it hadn't been for a lucky deflection from off a of Jaime Villarreal's shot that could end in a 0-0 draw as well. So Sacramento has a hard time breaking teams down. Um, Fresno is a team that's very hard to break down. They're not far off. They have played one less game than Sacramento so far. Yeah. Um, and they're only one point behind. So a win takes them two points clear right. of Sac. Um, I don't think they've lost. I think they're two wins and three draws. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think you are right, Scott. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, um, yep, you're right. And so... And how much... How might I know that, Nolan? How well, might you know that? I don't know. Actually, um, 
Fresno FC is my number one team. Oh my! You revealed it. Okay. Well, because it, it's on, it's on my list, so I want to. Okay, okay, I'm, okay, I'm okay, going to jump okay. to my number one okay. team. Good my number one team is Fresno FC because, like we said, wow. they have a really good defense. I yeah. think they've only conceded three goals. Mm-hmm. It's something like some some pretty good number, like maybe five goals. When you take a really solid defense and then you add in Juan Pablo Caffa, who, if you don't remember, Juan Pablo Caffa was with Tulsa Roughnecks two years ago, okay, and was the only bright spot on their team. I actually remember uh, asking uh, Josh Cohen, the keeper that we love for Sacramento, who the most difficult person to uh, match up against defensively was in the league. And he took a minute and then he said, Juan Pablo Caffa is the hardest because he, you don't, you can't predict what he's going to do. He can sometimes play as a target forward. He can move out to the wing. He'll take you on the dribble on the outside or on the inside. He can pass off of you. Right, right, right. Um, and that's my time, but I'm going to keep going for just one second. Yes. And then the last one is they signed one player named Aron Basilujic. Okay. He's an American. Doesn't oh. sound like it, but he's okay. an American. Okay. And he's been very good. For, he's kind of been the second scoring option for them. So okay. I think solid defense plus good attacking defenders makes it hard for Sacramento to beat them. And it's a rivalry. Yeah, yeah, that's and they've had trouble with exactly. them in the past. So Fresno for me is actually number one. But what's okay. your number one? My number one happens to be another rival of the Sacramento Republic. And it happens to be Los Dos. Okay. LA Galaxy 2. Um, I would, I've, I'm kind of basing my rankings more off of just looking at the standings and game results from this season. Galaxy 2 actually beat Portland 3-2 to two, uh, earlier this in March. Um, uh-huh. So... They broke down that team by three goals. Um, they have it's it's an it's associated with the LA Galaxy, um, young, fresh, talented players. They've had six different players score. Five players have scored twice. So they wow they can come at you from a they have a, they have a lot of of weapons in their arsenal. Um, and so I just don't know. I think Sacks def- solidly defensively solid but i just don't know if they could handle that much yeah and i power. and i think the turnover of the front office staff mm-hmm. in la where um they bring in um DeClosa and I, I think he just wants to develop young players more i think he's made that pretty clear mm-hmm. so that coupled with the really good academy that they have yeah. makes me a little bit more nervous of them mm-hmm. now than in years past okay so let's get to my number two team right um, which is actually going to be New Mexico United. Okay. So they're tied for Portland with Portland for the top of the table, the West. But my big thing with them is we just don't know mm-hmm. what they're all about. So they've played seven games. So we maybe have a good idea if we were to go back and look, which we might have to do when Sacramento plays mm-hmm. New Mexico United. But I just look at their roster, and I just see quality signing after quality signing. Uh, Austin Yearwood was a really good center back. Um, and the Eastern Conference comes over to the Western Conference. Um, Josh Suggs was really good fullback with uh, Colorado Springs last year. He goes to New Mexico. Santi Moore was really good with uh, Bethlehem Steel. And he's been superb so far with New Mexico United. I just think that they've got a really good squad, experienced squad, knows this league, and it's their first year, so mm. everyone's excited. And because of that, I'm just a little bit worried that when Sacramento goes to New Mexico, that might be a game that they drop. Mm. Or even when New Mexico comes here, 
they have quality attackers that can bang in curling shots from outside the box regularly. Mm. It just makes me a little bit worried. I'm just a, they're, it's a dangerous matchup. Good good games to watch. May not necessarily go Sacramento's way. Right. All right. Okay, so awesome. that is our um, probably like once a month or every six weeks or so dangerous matchup matchup rankings. Those teams will change as teams get better and mm-hmm. form increases and decreases. And the Can't next thing played. we'll probably be looking at is the matchups that Sacramento actually will have. Who are they going to play close to the time of recording that we think is dangerous? That'll that'll start to be in effect because it's so early. Um, they're going to play everyone. So, um, yeah, be looking be looking out for these. Um, so, so Nolan. Mm-hmm. Talking about Portland Timbers, we Portland mentioned Timbers them here um, in uh, the the dangerous dangerous matchup rankings. I have them at number three. Right. And there's one particular player that we were talking about earlier this week, Eric Williamson. Mm-hmm. You've done a little bit of research on Eric Williamson um, because he stood out in watching the match. So what did you find out about Eric Williamson? Yeah, Eric Williamson, he played on the left side of the midfield. Um, in the game against Sacramento, he's 21 years old, an attacking midfielder, um, young, promising prospect. Uh, grew up in the DC United Academy system. Came through there. Played for the University of Maryland from 2015 to 2017. Um, won Big Ten Conference uh, honors. He's midfielder of the year there in 2017. Um, to something to note, he did fail to win the NCAA championships, which. Uh, as it just so happens, two of Sacramento United's midfielders... Sacramento Republic. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. Sacramento Republic's midfielders have uh, Drew Skundrich and Sam Werner both won NCAA consecutive... They did a, completed a three-peat in 2015, 16, 17 with Stanford, mm. winning the NCAA title three times. I think that's impressive. I think it's significant. Moving on. Uh, played for Maryland, then uh, went from... Uh, Maryland to some, I was trying to read, I don't know exactly, maybe you can shed some yeah. light on this. Uh, so he, he was, he went from Maryland to, to Portland. Portland, but it says that Portland signed him from DC United. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the uniqueness of MLS hmm. bleeds through into this show once again. So um, when you come through a MLS Academy, when you're there for more than a year, a year or more, you are, their player they own your rights Hmm. air quotes they own your rights um so for eric williamson to sign with the portland timbers the timbers had to somehow acquire his rights from dc united dc had to be compensated in some way for his development interesting um so even though he played at even even though he went to college that was he did not sign a professional contract with the university of maryland he was an amateur player right so because he That's, had not signed a prof- well, even if he had signed a professional contract, he wouldn't Portland have been able was, to play with Maryland. Uh, if he had signed a professional contract, right, he couldn't he have gone to college because he forfeits his NCA yeah. eligibility. If DC United sign him, he, he's their player up until like a certain, you know, like when his contract ends, hmm. they have a certain amount of time after to do something with him, either okay. sign him or release him or trade him. Okay. So, but even before that, he was DC a DC United owned player if that makes sense they had his rights so that's why you'll see guys will be very highly rated in the draft like the mls draft but their rights are already owned by the team 
they through which they the came through. Okay. So the, the big one this past year was Omar Fernandez from the New York Red Bulls. Mm-hmm. He came through the Red Bulls uh, Academy, uh, I think played there like maybe three or four years, and then went on to play uh, one year in college and just blew everyone out of the water. So then the Red Bulls signed him. They didn't have to waste a draft pick on him. Okay. They owned his rights. Okay. So that's how Portland acquired his rights from DC United for some amount of a draft pick or a fee. I can't exactly remember what it was. I don't it was know. three years ago, two years ago. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Um, that's weird. Didn't know that's how it worked, but yeah. thank you for that. Um, yeah. So, so acquired by T2 from DC United, um, in 2018. Um, he's played stepping back a year. He played with the USA U twenties team in the 2017, uh, world cup, U twenties world cup and, uh, started four of the five games that resulted in them. He started all five Four of the five. Four of the five. Four okay, the cool. Five. Yeah, four of the five. That's games. pretty impressive. That's it. That's what I'm saying. And it was it was a, a deep run. They went into the quarterfinals of the game. He started the quarterfinals. Wow. Game. Okay. Um, yeah. So obviously the um, who well they're U.S. I guess the U.S. A national team didn't really have any direction at that in 2017. Um, they didn't have a head coach or whatever. But they saw the potential of him at the U20s level. Um, and I'm sure he'll probably get another maybe a senior career appearance if he continues to play well um last or, season or the u23s is the oh, yeah, olympic yeah, yeah. team if he's you know yeah 2020 yeah he might need year. to break into the portland Timbers first team yeah, but to do that yeah we'll see exciting young player 15 starts three goals to assist in 20 in the 2018 season he was loaned to a actually a portuguese first division side um for the first half of for the first half of for the fall of 2018 okay um with an option to recall in January of this year, 2019, which Portland did uh, take advantage of. They recalled him. He didn't start or play for them. Um, it really? Was CD Santa Clara. Okay. Uh, play, playing in Portugal. I actually Googled them today, and they were playing FC Porto, who just lost out in the round, in the quarterfinals of the Champions yeah. League to Liverpool. Um, so, so he didn't he didn't do anything. He didn't like he, there's no record Portugal. of him playing. So it was basically a waste of like four months. Ah, he trained with them. True. Okay, and they're high quality players. They, they, I mean, they lost one zero to Porto. So yeah, the Portuguese team, the Portuguese league is is a young, talented league. He's probably he's playing along. You know, Bernardo yeah. Silva. We all know everyone who came out of Portugal. Yeah. Anyway, well, the big one in Portugal right now is Joao, Joao Felix. Felix. Yeah, yeah. Joao okay. Felix. Okay. Um, yeah, really good player. Um, yeah. So okay, it was fun to watch him. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. We'll cool. talk more about him. Uh, yeah. So. That is one particular player from the T2 team. Scott, you noticed something as you were um, preparing for this podcast about the team itself. And why don't you share a little bit about what you picked up? Yeah, okay. So we have to go back a few years to when T2 actually came into the league. 2015, first year in the league, reserve team for the Portland Timbers. They finished with 11 wins, 2 draws, 15 losses, 35 points, just out of the playoffs. Uh, at, at the seventh spot, the playoffs at that time went to the sixth spot. Um, 2016, 12, 4, and 14, 40 points. Again, just out of the playoffs, they were the ninth spot of eight. So just out of the playoffs. So they were good, but not good enough to get in. 2017, though, interesting. Three wins, six draws, 23 losses mm. for a grand total of 15 points. So oh not a good year. No. Definitely not the playoffs. In fact, they were the bottom of the West. That was 2017. Now, 2017 for the Portland Timbers organization was, to say the least, a bit chaotic. Hmm. Caleb Porter, the head coach of the team, leaves. 
and takes his coaching staff, t- takes their positions away. Obviously, when you fire the head coach, the assistant coaches usually leave as well. Some of them will follow the head coach, right? Mm. Okay, so let's go to 2018 Portland Timbers 2. New head coach, uh, Cameron Knowles. He was an assistant under Caleb Porter of from the first team. 2018, they had 17 wins, 4 draws, 13 losses, good for 55 points, and the 6th seed. Hmm. So a big jump under this new coach. And I think because of the new coach for the first team, Giovanni Salvarese, he values youth development a bit more than Caleb Porter does. And so I think he was a bit more interested in the signings and the overall finish of Portland Timbers too. So he took a not a hands-on approach, but a an eyes-on approach. Like, hey, I'm watching. This is important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's number one. Number two, I think the Portland Timbers organization looked at their rivals to the north in Seattle Sounders and saw how their academy is starting to churn out some pretty good high-level talent and how they use their USL team to develop them. So I think the Portland Timbers looked around and saw that they were behind and hired a coach that would help push them forward. So rather than hire the U19 head coach that maybe doesn't have any professional coaching experience, they hire an assistant that has professional coaching experience. And he, he also, Cameron Knowles, for a couple of years, spent some time with um, the Portland Timbers reserves, which I think is their League Two or PDL team, I think. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't find out anything about that. Um, and he also went from with, with Cameron Knowles coming in, the team switched from letting high talented youngsters go to bringing them in. So Mm. they, they let go players like Nico Brett, who's now scoring goals with the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, Carlton Belmar, who's now, well, he was scoring goals with Swell Park Rangers and is now with, um, Nashville. And Nick Beasler, a midfielder who uh, came through Portland Academy, or sorry, he was drafted by Portland, played some time, spent some time with T2, and then um, was even with the first team for a little bit. They let him go. He get, then gets signed by the Real Monarchs. The Monarchs then develop him in their system, and he is now with the first team, Real Salt Lake. Okay. So they went from that, losing those high-talented players, to bringing in high-talented players like Todd Wharton, from Rio Grande Valley. He was a really good midfielder with Rio Grande Valley. You partner him with Eric Williamson. You have a strong midfield, yeah. both two-way players that are good at defending. They can go forward. And now all of a sudden you have young players to build around, not old players to build around. Like some two teams will bring in old experienced players to kind of teach the young kids. Yeah. These are young kids that can teach the younger kids. Cutting their teeth in the right. USL. Hmm. So with that being said, um, things have kind of turned around for T2. They're no longer the team that you can just run over. Um, all time against Sacramento, they are 5-0 and 5. So five wins, five losses, no draws. Last year, they were one win, one draw. Or sorry, one win, one loss. Uh, the first was a 2-0 win. Goals by Darren Espria, who's on a first-team contract, and Maduo uh, Jindama, who we're going to talk about a bit later. And then the 1-0 win for Sacramento uh, was a, a glancing header from across by Elliot Horde in the six minute. Um, to Awasa. A, yeah, Awasa headed it in. Both of those wins were at home for each team. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to play a big role going forward is 
Sacramento can't look at the Portland Timbers anymore as a team that you can just go and get a victory mm-hmm. on the road. It's going to be a, a hard road game, I think, from now on. Hmm. So with that being said, I, I think what shows that this was a, a tough game, it's now kind of transitioning into the, the match analysis, um, there were 13 fouls by Portland Timbers 2 and 20 by Sacramento. So this was a physical game. Yeah. It was a hard-fought game. And I think that kind of sums up what we're about to talk about. Yeah. There was cards, fouls, and it was rainy. Yeah. The field took it kind of well, but I mean, I players think... were slipping. So You said something funny that, that it kind of made sense to me earlier today. You were like, you kind of get what they mean when they're talking to the Premier League about rainy nights in Stoke. Yeah. Or something like that. Like, yeah. It, w- it had that feel to it. It was just gritty and cold, and the rain was like, there was wind that was just blowing the rain in the face of Sacramento as they were attacking in the second half. Yeah. It was just, the conditions weren't ideal. It was a tough opponent. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so now, kind of getting the backstory of one of the players from Portland and the Portland Timbers 2 club, I think we should just kind of bring up maybe some pre-match observations. So we've, we've already done this bit um, here for me, pre-match these, this research reflects what I was thinking before the game started. Um, I think it was going to be a hard fought game. I knew that they were well organized and I wasn't sure how Sacramento was going to break them down because they had such a talented midfield. Like we talked about last game with Austin Bold and their unique zonal man marking structure, the midfielders weren't allowed to get on the ball in dangerous situations going forward. Mm. And that was exactly my question going into this game is, okay, the Portland Timbers two midfielders are so good. I don't know if the Sacramento midfielders are going to be able to play through them or if they're going to be able to defend against them. Mm. So that was my pre-match observation. Did did you have anything? You kind of watched the game. I watched the game after, after, it. after the fact. It, yeah, so you were maybe a little bit slanted. I was. I was following. I was following the results as the game was happening. I, I couldn't watch it live. Right. My general observation before the game was just, oh, you know, it's an academy team. Maybe it depends on who they bring down from the first team or who they, you know, whatever. But for the most part, it's just kind of, uh, yeah. It just kind of depends. That's that's how I felt about um, how the result was going to go. Hadn't done a whole lot of research. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, well, then let's just get into it. Okay. First mat or first first half observations from this game. Um, I think we could tell very early on that Sacramento was going to push Jordan McCrary their right back up, mm-hmm. and Portland Timbers were going to push Marco Farfan their left back or their right back up very very far. So yeah. the field was almost kind of lop sided yeah um and we also noticed right off the bat that bonomo wasn't starting yeah that was and this was the first match without him second second match they didn't without play him. With him at austin and they had struggled to get stuff done in the box for 80 for however 75 minutes of yeah. the first of that game against austin until i'm either but it seemed to be have even in that Austin game, the introduction of Bonomo into the game was seemed to be too little, too late. There weren't, there were balls up 
Long balls that were sent from Josh Cohen from the goal to Cameron Nwasa, who's short and diminutive and is a very talented player, but just can't bring it down and dribble past, you know, three defenders who are trying to bring him down uh, yeah. on his way to goal. So I agree. I think his presence was missed in this game as well. I, I 100% agree. I yeah. think especially with how we're going to talk about Portland was set up, he, he was really needed. And I think this might have been one that Simon Elliott missed, the manager for Sacramento Republic. I I think if he had to redo it again, he would start Bonomo up top with Cameron Awasa underneath yeah. a little bit. Um, so for the first 20 minutes, Sacramento maintains a lot of possession. Yeah. Um, some chances come of it. Nothing really all that dangerous, but it it was a good it was there were good signs. Yeah. There were positive signs going forward that chances were being created. And then all of a sudden in about the twenty first ish minute, Portland kinda gets their act together and they really maintain a majority of the possession for the I'm rest gonna, of yeah. the half, pretty much. Um and Going to the twenty eighth minute. The twenty eighth minute, the there was a ball from uh, our right back, Shannon Gomez. There was a ball that was going to to Black Blackwood. Who was it was I think it was a right goal side. kick. It was a goal kick. From, it was a goal kick. From, okay, from yeah. Cohen uh, to Blackwood, who was tucked in a little bit on the right. He was playing on the right side of the wing. Um, couldn't really get it down. There was some tussling in the midfield, pass back here, pass back there. Nobody really had possession of the ball until uh, Eric Williamson heads the ball to his center back. The center back plays it back to his goalkeeper. Goalkeeper plays it to uh, so his left center back to keeper, keeper to right center back, and then right center back plays a nice ball to one of the midfielders up the right side, the right, and then it chips into. Up, up Portland's right side, Sacramento's Portland, left. Sacramento's left, so coming down towards uh, McCrary. Yeah, and So and which I think is important because McCrary, McCrary was, was pushed so up. Far up. He was so yeah. far up, and f- it was either either Langsdorf or one of the other midfielders, maybe the right-sided midfielder, I noticed would go past McCrary. He went past him several times yeah. and was waiting for balls. So I think Portland saw that. McCrary would push up, and they would try to get balls in behind. Yeah. And that's kind of how this starts. Right. And then it goes from that right side. They switch it to the left. Yep. Then the left tries to cross it back in. Yeah, the, the left infielder, uh, Hurtado. Okay. Um, Puts in the cross. Yeah. Just, just outside, just inside the box on the left, tries to cross it into the middle, and it hits the outstretched arm of the our right back, Shannon Gomez. Right. Who had made an amazing clearance and tackle in that same position five minutes before this. Yep. And I think he was actually in a good spot. He yeah. was shuttling Hurtado toward the end line. Yeah. But Hurtado in this play kind of gets the ball in enough space that Shannon Gomez, because he was having to cover so much between um, Deco Keenan and Hurtado yeah. that he had to run over and by the time he gets there the cross is already coming so right. his feet had just gotten set he was just starting to i think put his really arms bad. down by yeah. his side to really get in his defensive position hurtado crosses the ball in hits shannon gomez's oh, left arm yeah penalty 28th minute 
center back steps up. Yeah, center back, um, uh, Jamont Chan Jandama. There you go, Mo Jandama. Okay, captain for Portland steps up, puts it away. Yeah, and this is, I think it's a clear penalty. Yeah. There's I, a, I don't think yeah, there's an argument. No, it hit his arm. Hit his arm. Doesn't matter if it's unintentional. Yeah. It interferes with the play. Yeah. It would have been dangerous ball had it gone past. Yep. Penalty. Yep. Penalty. Rightly called. Uh, rightly deserved. Yeah. Un- I want to say it's unlucky for Sacramento, but I think this is really Portland playing well. Playing their yeah. their game plan. Yeah. They got a ball in behind McCrary like they had done. F- they're going to do about five or six, seven times this game. They switch play to the open midfielder. Yeah. And, and like you said, like they have dynamism in midfield, which resulted in a recycling of possession, which generally defensive teams have a hard time doing. Yeah. And then they count, they, they get the ball up the right side, which is their strong uh, fullback. And they, they create a dangerous opportunity. Um, I think it was good. It was good. It was good soccer by, by Portland. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, the game doesn't really change much after the penalty, though. It's still a little bit back and forth, but Portland largely being the more dangerous one, maintaining possession. Mm-hmm. And then about toward the end of halftime, Werner gets the ball, has a dribble for probably like the fourth time that half. And is able to get around the the Portland Timbers right back. I believe his name is H- Harold Hansen, and that was probably the most dangerous position Sacramento have been in a while. Both teams get a little frustrated at all the fouls that are being called. Yeah, and that's the first half. Yep. Um, and I don't I don't really know what observation we can add to the first half other than we miss Bonomo. Right. Yeah. We're down 1-0. Yeah. Need some attacking flair, which it seems like we tried to introduce in the at the beginning of the first half with taking off Drew Skundrich mm-hmm. and replacing him with uh, Villian? Yeah. Villian Bijev. Yeah. Um, who's a, a talented player. We've talked about him before. He's really good. Um, didn't go so well. That <laughs> substitution no. pro- proved uh, to be just kind of the death of the game. Uh, yeah. Bijev draws a foul in the... Uh, 57th minute for diving in the box which i think is maybe a little bit harsh to give a yellow harsh he dove yeah because if you give the foul the other way then it's a penalty so i understand why the referee gave the yellow but i mean it uh yeah Yeah. i i get it i don't like it yeah okay same yeah and and i think so real quick when when bjf comes on at halftime that pushes um Warner still on the left. Bijev goes out on the right. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Blackwood goes up top. Bit. Cameron Wasser goes in the midfield. Okay. I think that that does two things. That allows Cameron to get on the ball a bit more, yeah. kind of, and it puts a little bit more dangerous dribbler out on the right. And Bijev. Yeah, that kind of does exactly what Portland was trying to do to Sacramento with getting balls in behind McCrary. Now you have a, a dangerous guy that can get balls in behind Farfan yeah. and either creates opportunities on the break or it pushes farfan back right and we're going to see that play out in bjf's second yellow right i'm oh, sorry uh, that was his first yellow that was his first yellow he gets the ball behind bjf yep dribbles past him gets into the box and then 
the center back comes over nudges him nudges him whatever yeah but it was dangerous it was a dangerous opportunity on on the rewatch i think he does the thing that bishop does far too often he stays on the ball too long he dribbles he didn't pick his head up and look at the far post to see both blackwood and awasa waiting for the ball frustrating it's so frustrating he's talented but he's so frustrating playing against his former team who we when we acquired him was leading the usl in assists yeah. so he clearly knows how to get the ball to teammates yep in scoring opportunities we just haven't quite seen the best of him yet in sacramento hopefully he comes around the season apparently he felt frustrated as much as we did because six minutes later huh. he goes in for a tackle he gets the ball he gets also a chunk of the uh, Portland midfielder that he get, took the ball from. Uh, the official didn't hesitate, pulled out a second yellow, and sent Bijev off the field. I'm not sure if this was a yellow. Okay. I, I, I immediately, from the watch, I was like, that's not a yellow. Yeah. He won the ball. Yeah, the player fell down, but like we said, there were a total of 33 fouls this game. Yeah. How is this different from all the than others. any of the other ones that were committed on Sacramento? So... I don't think this was a yellow. I think he should have stayed on. Yeah. I'm really disappointed. I think the official had a harsh, a hard game. Yeah. He blew his whistle a lot. Maybe he needed to, but n- he didn't need to give a yellow in this, uh, this, Instance. this foul. And Bijev was this card was actually rescinded. His red card was rescinded. You're right. And I, it was for this foul. This was not a yellow. Yeah. So Bijev is available for the next game. Um, but a player who's not going to be available for the next game is, is the Greek Harris. Sean Sapoulos. Picks up two yellows. The first one's in the 78th minute. It's a professional foul on Williamson, who... Yep. Counters dangerously. Counters dangerously. Picks a ball up, dribbles. Uh, Harris just grabs the back of his jersey, pulls him back. I'm it's, interested. It's a clear yellow. I mean, he's... So this is where I'm interested to see what kind of feedback Deco Keenan is giving... Uh, Chance Pulos here because a captain, Deco ca- Keenan. De- captain Deco Keenan, thirty-five years old, Premier League experience, very, very, very uh, well-rounded center back. Chance Pulos, tall, fast. We saw the attacking potential he has in the Oklahoma City game. He's young. He was twenty-three. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he didn't have to drag him down. I mean, in this kind of game, you don't want to carry another a, a yellow when your team's one down, already playing with ten men. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, it, anyway, I just wonder. I, I wonder if that was the the best defensive decision on his part, and so uh, trying to chase him down. I don't know. Yeah, I think it. I think it. There's an argument as to why it was. Yeah, I don't have as big of a problem with this foul. It's not like he was trying to hurt someone. He just pulled a guy back. Professional. That's why it's a professional foul. Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, you know. Williamson throws his hands up and realizes what's happened. He's yep. like, okay, you know. Yep. The second foul, I do have a little bit more to say about. It soft again. It was definitely soft. But it's so interesting to me because it comes off of a Portland Timbers goal kick. This is the 91st minute. Goes along to, I believe it's Langsdorf, who is a pretty good striker. He scored 14 goals last year and had a couple of assists for Portland Timbers too. I think he's got a future possibly in Major League Soccer, but definitely at this level. Yeah. Um, and he wins the header, heads it down to um, the left 
left midfielder sub came on for Hurtado. His name's Rubio. And Rubio takes the ball, starts to dribble, and Harris is in front of him when he starts to run, reacts by kind of opening up his body. And when that happens, Rubio runs past him, and it's it's almost like Rubio's back and uh, Harris's chest kind of collide, and maybe Harris's left leg clips the left leg of Rubio, and Rubio goes down. And immediately when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's not a foul. Like, Or maybe it's a foul, but it's incidental. It's not intentional. Play should just continue on. Yeah. But not only is it a foul, it's apparently a second yellow, and Harris is off. I think it, it was just harsh. Yeah. Which, you know, in the 91st minute, a team is already game, losing. It's a slot. It's rainy. Why give? Why? I don't. I don't why understand it. Yeah. yeah. Why suspend him? Make it easy for team selection for. Yeah. Sacramento's manager. But the thing that I think is interesting is is, it's a strong forward that wins a header and nods it down. Yeah. Which is exactly what we said we needed from Bonomo. Yeah. And I just think it's interesting that Portland has that in it. They use it to their advantage in this play. Yeah. That's what I think is most interesting, actually, from this uh, this sequence. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, we miss Bonomo. We want him back. Yeah, even though he hasn't scored, he's been part of a lot of plays yeah. for Sacramento. If you if you rewatch the film, he opens up a lot of space. He's yes. very intelligent movement. He's big. He can knock balls down to Cameron Awasa and the other wingers as well. Yeah. So this game, to be fair, this season is we've only had six games. There's not a whole lot of data to go off of for, um, for Sacramento's management. Maybe they're just trying. Maybe we're trying to see what works, what doesn't. Um, hopefully, hopefully we'll see Benoma back in the lineup. Lineup. Yeah. Awasa playing. Well. I hope so. I think it's gonna happen. Yep. I think I think this game really cemented our need for for a big, strong physical striker. Yeah. Okay. Well, the next game, really quick. Yep. is at home against Phoenix. One of your my third, my third danger dangerous, dangerous matchups, matchup. Phoenix uh, Rising FC. So then, what can we take away really quick with the last couple minutes of the show from this game that we can apply toward that next home game with Phoenix? Right, Phoenix is playing defensively solid at this point in the season. They conceded six goals in the first two games. They've conceded one in the past three. Okay, um, so, so they maybe figure something out. They figured something out. We're going to need to break them down. The results indicate, I haven't watched all the film, the results indicate that um, they will be hard to break down. The past two Sacramento games have indicated that we need a strong physical striker up top, di- uh, you know, drawing defenders in, opening up space for Cameron Wasa to play off of. Um, and so I think that, that, that this game is going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. Um, and I think we're going to see some, some changes to the squad made, um, which will be fun to see as well. Yeah, I I think the big thing for me is figuring out how are you going to get Cameron Wasa the ball. Hmm. If you can't get him the ball, then I don't know who the creative spark for this team is. We've seen it at times from Sam Werner. We've seen it, strangely enough, from Johnson our Bulls. center backs yeah. Yeah, <laughs> taking balls up the He's middle. He's one of our He's goal scorers. One of our goal scorers our and fourth. had an amazing chip that drew a penalty. Yeah, Bonomo drew the penalty. So yeah. I, I just don't know how... Sacramento creates chances if you don't get the ball 
to Cameron Awasa. I think he's that important to the team that if he isn't on the ball, we're pretty one-dimensional in terms of, well, we're just going to get the ball out on the wing and hopefully our wingers will create something. Mm -hmm. That, to me, isn't going to work. I think teams are already starting to figure out all we have to do is mark Cameron Awasa, take him out of the game, and Sacramento can't create chances. So I'm interested to see how Portland or sorry, how Phoenix line up to take Cameron Awasa out of the game. Hmm. And I'm also interested to see how Sacramento Republic change to get him on the ball more hmm. because he needs to be on the ball. I don't think central striker is the best place to get him on the ball. No. I really honestly do think that playing a 442 or a 4231 hmm. or a fourth even a 433 where he is the second forward or that central attacking midfielder is the best way to get him on the ball. His range of passing is so good and his shot from distance is so good that he needs to play that position. Yeah. So that's what I'm interested to see. That's my takeaway. And I think Bonomo needs to come into the game. Same. Yeah. And with that, that's our second episode. I think it is. And we are 20 minutes shorter than last episode, which is what we planned. Great job. Well, amazing. everyone, we will see you next time. At the game. We will yeah, see at, you the, at game. the game. And we'll Pop see you Park. on the podcast for the post-match review of Phoenix. Yes. I, I, it's going to be good. I think it's going to be great. It's going to be really good. It's going to be great. All right. Well, as always, glory, glory, Sacramento.